here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to jump right into our study today, and uh, uh, we'll be in verse number 8. We're going to start in verse number 8 of 1 Timothy. I am glad that you're here, and uh, uh, I can't think of anywhere else I'd rather be than right here, digging into God's Word, learning, growing, studying together. Church, church say amen right there. All right, 1 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 8. If you're there, say amen. amen. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up what kind of hands? Holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also. Okay, so that means... First, he's talking about holy men. Now he's going to talk about holy women, right? Uh, In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair uh, uh, or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you and we thank you for all that you do. Lord, you have been so good to me. You've been so good to my family. Lord, you've been so good to this church. And we, we, we know we don't deserve it, but we are tickled to death for it. And Lord, we praise your holy name. Lord, give us what we stand in need of tonight. Lord, you know everybody that walked through those doors. You know exactly what they stand in need of. I pray that you'll encourage the discouraged. I pray that you'll challenge and convict those who are not where they need to be with you. Lord, I pray that you'll open our mind and open our hearts and let us see the roles that we we have according to your word. Lord, I pray your perfect will be done. Move in an awesome way, and God will thank you for it. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't, and Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control my words, my thoughts, everything. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' holy name we pray, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. If you're here for the first time on Wednesday night, uh, we like to take a book of the Bible and just go through it slowly uh, and study it chapter by chapter, sometimes verse by verse, sometimes word by word. And, uh, and we have taken uh, this particular book of the Bible and chosen it to study here recently in the last few weeks. Uh, we have uh, uh, kind of explained that this is a letter from the Apostle Paul uh, to his protege, to his disciple, excuse me, Timothy, who he has left in Ephesus to fix some problems in the church of Ephesus. If you remember all that, say amen. Amen. All right. One of the key words or key verses is in 1 Timothy 3.15. It's at the top of your notes. Just look at the top of your notes. It says, but if I tarry long... That thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. So that tells me right there that there is an expected behavior that God expects from us in the house of God. Would you say amen right there? No question about it. He said, I want you to know. Now, uh, here's the thing. We got to keep this in mind. 
why is a rule, why is a rule made up? Why, why does somebody write out a rule? Because somebody did it wrong. Are y'all with me? When something is being addressed, when a rule is being written or, a, or a, a, a responsibility or a command, it's because somebody done it wrong and you're fixing it, all right? You did it this way, but this is the way it should be done. If that makes sense, say amen. So when we're going through this and we're seeing the things that Paul is laying out here and the things that he's teaching, it's it most likely without question, it's because they were doing the things wrong and he's setting it straight. All right. He is putting things in order in the way that they should be. All right. So things were going wrong. False teachers had, had infiltrated and, 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 and contaminated the church of Ephesus. Timothy has been left there to fix things. All right. He's struggling. He's not, he's having difficulty with it. Uh, he's a, he's a younger minister, uh, trying to address an older, older crowd, if you will, an older congregation. In the midst of a really, really wicked society, uh, a, a, a sexually perverse society, and, and, and it's not much different than right now. I mean, it, let's just be honest. We may not have the temple of Artemis on top of the hill and prostitutes coming down out of the hills, to, to, but, but we're living in a loose society. Can we all agree on that? A perverse society. And so this is where we're at. This is where we're at. Last week, uh, we saw and we, we learned that Paul was basically addressing the men. And he was saying, you need to be praying men. You need to step up, take the lead, and be praying men. Specifically, praying for the salvation of the people, salvation of the nations, salvation of the leaders. Being, listen, coming to God, your focus and your, your directive in the church is to, to bring the gospel to every creature. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now remember, why is the rule made? Because they was doing it wrong. So apparently they had, they had shifted from their main purpose, right? Their main purpose. And that was to get the gospel to every creature. They had become inwardly focused and they were not as, as gospel centered as they used to be. They were not on fire soul winning like they used to be. And he straightened it out. He said, men, step up. Men, step up and become prayer warriors. Not just prayer warriors, but you got to get some things straight. He said, you got to have holy hands. You don't need to just pray. You need to pray and be right with God when you do pray. Say amen. All right. So they were fussing. They were fussing and fighting going on. Look at the end of verse eight. Look at the end of verse eight. Lifting up holy hands without what? Wrath and. Now, if he says live holy hands without wrath. Apparently, there wasn't holy hands and they was arguing. You see how you're supposed to read the Bible? There's a reason he says lift up holy hands because they wasn't. There's a reason he says do it without wrath because they were arguing. They were fussing. So men, we need to be, we don't need to just be right with God in holiness. We need to be right with each other. Are y'all with me? And so anyway, we're not going to re-preach that. If you want to get that, just go to the, the website and watch last week's uh, lesson and, and as we instructed the men. And we're going to instruct the men some more later on. But, but here we find he turns, he turns the direction and he says, in like manner also. In like manner also. Not only is there a certain way the men need to behave, but there's a certain way women need to behave in the house of God. All right? Now... To, to really understand this and get the heart 
of Paul in this particular chapter, not just the heart of Paul, but the heart of God in this chapter. Because who do you think inspired Paul to write what he wrote? It was the Lord. Amen. So here's what I want you to do. Look at the top of your notes. Look at the top of your notes. That thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself. Now look at the next, 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 next verse. 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Let all things be done decently and in, and in order. That's a key. That word is a key, a serious key. Okay, order. Say it with me. Order. order. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion. What is the opposite of order? Confusion, right? When things are out of order, they are confusing. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all know in, in culture today, in, 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 uh, things are out of order? We're, we're living in a confused society. When you don't know what you are. Now, I'm not going, but you got to look at this. You gotta, there's a reason people are acting this way. They've gotten things out of, out of order. Out of order. All right. So let's look at this. Let's just take it step by step. All right. Look in verse number nine. <clears throat> in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair, gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now, let's look at this. First, number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to see direct ordinance. And you could put ordinances, plural, or just leave it at ordinance. An ordinance is a rule or a command, okay? He's given them specific direct commands. Would you agree with that? Say amen. He didn't say think about it. He said do it, Right? This is how it should be. This is what Paul is saying. Now, three areas that I want you to write down. First is appearance. Ladies, your appearance is important. Your appearance is important. Uh, he said it should be modest. It should be modest. I, I took Webster's Dictionary to help us out. And so I put, it, I put the definitions there so we could just break them down. Modest apparel. What is modest? Properly. What's the next word? Restrain, key word, key word. What's the next word? Moderate, not excessive or extreme, not extravagant, not extravagant. Now, here's, here's, let's, let's look at, let's go back to the culture and find out what he's fighting. Okay. Uh, find out what, what's going on. We have, we have a culture where you have ultra poor and ultra rich. And both of these are in church. Both of these groups have been saved, have been uh, uh, delivered, have been brought to Christ, and they're going to church together. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Uh, there, there, are, there are temple, Artemis temple prostitutes who have been saved, and now they're coming to church. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, uh, it, it, is, it is something when somebody gets saved out of the world. And, and here's another thing, is when somebody gets saved out of the world, everything don't get fixed right away. Are y'all with me? And if you're a seasoned saint and you expect a baby Christian to look like a seasoned saint, you're, you're kidding yourself. That just don't happen. And you shouldn't expect that to happen. 
You shouldn't expect that to happen. I, I, I remember one time a young man came and, 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 and uh, uh, I, I mean, it, it just, brother, brother Steve Gardner, he helped with it. This dude had tattoos all over his arms and he had a big old nose ring. And it was like a, it was like a, looked like a bull ring. I mean, it was, you know what I'm saying? Not one sticking out the side. I mean, like a ring in there. Where you grab that thing, lead him, say amen. <laughs> I mean, that's what it was. And he came, I never said a word about it. Never said a word about it. Listen, he's a baby Christian. I'm not going to say, I'm going to let God handle all that. Well, he come, he come running, running across the parking lot one day. Preacher, preacher, come out. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Well, I, you know, I got to have glasses right now, but I can see, I couldn't see that nose ring. And I thought, he done got rid of that nose ring. And I got closer and he didn't, but it was smaller. <laughs> and he was proud that it was small. And I, listen, here's the thing. You say, Should we not have a nose ring? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying God works on people differently at different times. Are y'all with me? We can't expect everybody to be, you know, y'all following me. But once you come in and once you start learning, you got to understand you're different than the world. And if you are still just like the world, something's not right. And so what we have here is we have women coming in. And, and remember the word restraint, right? Restraint, modest, not extravagant. What was happening, there was two things going on. There was two things going on. They, there, was, there was a revealing of physical beauty. And then there was a, a, a for lack of better words, uh, they were trying to show just how much material wealth they had. And, and, and both of them were wrong. And this is where we're going to go with this. All right, the plating of hair, the pearls, the gold. I, 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 was, I was witnessing to a lady in the church in Barnwell, South Carolina, and man, she got saved and, and she come to church and she was just so broken. She was just so broken when she come to church the next day. Uh, 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 she, said, she said, preacher, I got to get rid of my pearls because the Bible says I'm not allowed to have pearls. And it was a modest set, you know, like a pearl necklace. It was just a real plain, simple, modest set of pearls. And I said, man, that's not what that's talking about. You see, in that day, they would build up their hair. And you got you to think that, that, that when, they, when they would build them big, elaborate, gaudy hairstyles, they would braid it up and then sew and weave gold and silver and jewels all in it to show off. To show off their wealth. To say, hey, look at. Now, that's a problem. That's a problem. And the reason that that is a problem, look at your notes and look beside that point. Look at your notes and look beside the word appearance. Read that to me. No, 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 no. A is appearance. Y'all got that, right? Look at important key. Say it again. In other words, ladies, when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're getting put together... Yeah, I am careful. That's why I'm trying to find the words to say. (laughs) Think about this. Where will people's focus be? When we come to church, when we come to church, it is so we can focus on on God. 
so we can give him our attention, so we can give him our adoration. Are y'all with me? Now, and he, he kind of explains it some more in the next word to choose. Watch this. Look at the next word. He said, he said, modest apparel, modest apparel with, what's the next word? Shamefacedness. I know y'all use that all the time. That's why I looked it up in Webster's. Amen. In other words, your modest apparel with shamefacedness. All right. What does Webster say shamefacedness is? Bashfulness. Excess of modesty. Modesty. In other words, you dress in a way, especially, now this is, pri- this is spoken of primarily coming to the house of God, right? That you know how to behave thyself where? In the house of God. I would submit to you, I would submit to you that we need to think about this everywhere. But especially in the house of God. If you are dressing if you are dressing in a way to draw attention to yourself and distract people from focusing on God, that's wrong. At the, at the least, it's drawing attention that only God deserves. At the worst, you're trying to dress in a way to get men to lust after you. Now, now, there again, there again, we don't, we don't live in a society where there's a, uh, uh, in Ephesus, there was the temple up on the hill and, and temple prostitutes would come out and ply their wares and try to seduce men uh, by dressing uh, loosely and scantily and, and all of that. That's what they were dealing with. But we live in a loose society. I mean, you think about it, that women are wearing stuff today that 15 years ago they'd never wear. So tight-fitting, you can see everything. Men are struggling bad enough as it is, ladies. Shamefacedness means modest. It means humility. It means easily to be embarrassed. Man, women don't even blush anymore. There's no shame anymore. There, there's no sense of modesty anymore. And, and guys, I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about supposedly Christians. I mean, you go outside the church and people who profess, and that's what he says, if you're professing to be godly, if you're claiming Christianity and yet, yet you're dressing no different than the world, something's wrong. Now, I know I've done heard it. I've done heard it. Well, if men have a problem, that's their problem. See what happens when you get to stand before God one day. If you're contributing someone else to stumble, you're going to be held accountable. And so when we come to church, there should be, there should be, no, there should be no gaudiness to the point of we're drawing attention to who we are or what we look like and not to who he is. It shouldn't be, there shouldn't be a great difference uh, uh, you remember what I said? There was the ultra rich and the ultra poor and they would flaunt their riches and their wealth through all of this. That's what, that's what Paul is talking about. He said we should come humbly. We should come in a way where only God gets the attention. That's the best way to put this. 
When we're getting dressed, men too, when we're getting dressed, our behavior, our, the way we are, are we behaving in such a way that only God gets the attention? Amen. Listen, our appearance, he directed specific attention to our appearance, not just that, but attitude. Look what Peter says. Look what Peter says. First Peter 3, 3. He's speaking to wives. He says, who's adorning or decorating, decorating, who's adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating of hair. That's the same thing we were just talking about. And the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. In that which is not corruptible, even the ornament. In other words, this is what decorates you. This is what is attractive, attracts to you. An ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great prize. In other words, what attracts people to you should not be what you wear. It should be who you are. It should not be the outward appearance as much as it's the inward character of meekness and humility. Meekness and quiet. And by the way, by the way, ladies, you loud and boisterous people in here and you're proud of that. I challenge you to go and look up who's loud in the book of Proverbs when it comes to ladies. That'll be your homework if you care. But I wouldn't want to be it. So we have appearance, we have attitude, and we have a very quiet building. But that's okay. All right. Paul says, Paul says, let her be adorned in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Don't let her attraction be that which is on the outside, but the inward meekness, the inward humility, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now watch her activity as C. He addresses her appearance, her attitude, and her activity. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man but to be in silence. Now, let's look up Webster's Dictionary. I don't think we have to look up the word teach. Does everybody understand what the word teach means? I mean, it's obvious what that means. To disseminate information to, we, we know what teaching is. All right, usurp. Usurp means to seize and hold in possession by force or, what's that? Without right. That's the key, without right. Authority. Authority. Read it with me. All right. It says they are not to usurp authority over the man. There is a responsibility a man has and a woman has no right to take it. That's what it's saying. Okay. And we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that in number three. So just keep that in mind. Uh, now, in, in, verse number, in verse number 11, <clears throat> in verse number 11, it says, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. All right. There is there is another verse that talks about in, in, in the first uh, first Corinthians that talks about a woman remaining silent in the church or not speaking in the church. Uh, and some people take it to one extreme or the other. All right. A woman's allowed to preach as long as she don't. Uh, she does it humbly. 
and with humility. Well, that's an extreme left. But then you have an extreme right that says this is basic, basic principle saying that as soon as the door opens, and she comes in, she's got to zip it. Wrong also. He, he, he says what he means in the following verse. Are y'all with me? He interprets what he is just saying. He said, okay, if she's to remain silent, let me explain what I mean. Verse number 12. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man. The authority there is a leadership principle. It is the area of leadership. It is not the woman's responsibility. It is not the woman's role. It is not the woman's place to teach or to be in leadership over the man in the house of God. That's what it's talking about. Does that mean a woman can't sing? Nope, that's not what it's talking about. Does it mean she can't give her testimony? Nope, that's not what it's talking about. It's the the elder position, the responsibility of the elder to come and disseminate God's word to the church in the local assembly at the time of their gathering. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, at the end of the lesson, at the end of the lesson, I'm going to share you some areas where it is permissible for a woman to teach. All right? Where it is, it is completely right and completely good and, and, and completely wholesome for that. And we'll share that with you in a moment. But in the assembly, in the, the, the regular meeting of the church together, it is not the woman's place to teach or lead over the man in that place, in that elder position. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now, let's look at this. Number two. Number two. Look at, the, look at verse number 10. Verse number 10. <clears throat> He says, he addresses the appearance and the attitude in her activity. And this is a, a distinct objective. This is what we're trying to accomplish. This is number two, distinct objective. It says, but which becometh women professing, what's that word? Godliness. But which becometh women professing godliness with what? Good works. Now, now, here's the deal. The word becometh, the word becometh. Let's read the definition. Let's read the definition. The word becometh. In general, to suit or be suitable, to be congruous, to befit, to accord with in character or circumstances. In other words, he's saying that which is proper, that which is proper. All right. What is becoming of that person? Godliness, godliness. This is, this is key. Now watch this. What is, what is the definition? Webster's 1828 dictionary. Here's the definition. A religious life, a careful observance of the laws of God of, and performance of religious duties. Proceeding from love. Now watch this. Proceeding from love and reverence for the divine character and commands Christian obedience. All right. So what he's saying, if you are professing godliness... This is the behavior that is expected. This is the behavior that's commanded if we're going to do these things. A, write this down. If there's going to be reverence for God, reverence for God. Why does a woman dress modestly? Because she reveres and she fears God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. We need to show reverence for God. We need to show reverence for God's house. And it's not just ladies for that matter. If anybody's going to be godly, they have to reverence and fear God. Reverence for God. Now here's the second reason. Write this down. Write this down. We are a reflection of God. We are a reflection of God. You represent God in your life. 
The word calls us ambassadors of Christ. We are representatives of God. We need to be godly. We need to look godly. We need to look different, act different, talk different, be different. Somebody say amen. Amen. Why? Because we reverence the God who saved us. We reverence him. Be ye holy for I am holy. He is a holy God. He is a righteous God. Somebody say amen. And if we are a reflection of who he is, we're going to reflect that in our behavior. We're going to reflect that in our appearance, our modesty, our humility, our attitude. All right? That's the objective, to be godly. I want to be godly. Ladies, you should, your desire should be to be godly, to be godly women. So, oh, but preacher, I want to be attractive. You have no idea how attractive your godliness is. Listen, number three, and this is where we're going to really hunker down and study a little bit, okay? Number three, we see a divine order. Paul knew a lot of people wouldn't like that teaching. And by the way, by the way, if he's telling if he's telling and laying out a rule for women to be subjective and women uh, uh, to chill out uh, and, and not be domineering, uh, there was women doing that. All right? There was women trying to take leadership roles, wanting to be teachers. And so Paul is addressing this. And now he begins to give reasons why. He gives theology behind the command and the responsibility. All right? Look at the next word. We see, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam, now he gives reasoning. For Adam was first formed, then then Eve. All right? And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. All right? Now, here's what I want you to write down. There is a divine order, a divine order. 1 Timothy 2.11 says, let the woman learn in silence with all, what's that word? Subjection. Subjection. The word subjection means to line up under. It's a military term. All right? You have, you have the, the different... The different uh, uh, rankings, if you will. You have private, and then you go right on up from there. And what do those people do? They rank under the order that they are in. They fall in line, line up under. If that makes sense, say amen. All right, God has a divine order. It, and I didn't say man, I didn't say Paul, I said God. God had a divine order all the way back to the book of Genesis, all the way back to the beginning of creation. And we're going to see that. Now, so we know he is saying to line up under 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians eleven three, And we're going to come back to this verse and talk about it some more, okay? 1 Corinthians eleven three, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the, the man. And the head of Christ is God. Wow. Now, the word head, the word head is a chief, a principal person, a, a leader, a leader, a commander, one who is first rank or place. In other words, he's got a rank. He's got a, a position. He has a role. He has a role. Okay. This doesn't make him superior or inferior. It is his role. Now, now watch this. This is so amazing. This is so amazing when you see this. Watch this. It says the head of every man is 
In other words, the man has to line up under Christ, the headship of Christ. Christ is his boss. Christ is in charge of him. Christ is his commander. Christ is his leader. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He is to line up under the direction, the commands of Christ. Now watch this. Then it says this. And the head of the woman is the man. So same principle. Same principle. The woman lines up under the man. The man is the leader. He's the one responsible as her head. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch this. Watch this. This is great. And, and the head of Christ is God. Huh. The head of Christ is God. Now, wait a minute. I thought you said Christ is God. Yup. I thought you said Christ is equal with God. Yup. But what is Christ doing here? He's lining up under the headship of God the Father. And what is this teaching us? What is this teaching us? When Christ was here on earth, he was exactly the same and equal in essence to the Father. But he willingly submitted himself and lined up under and did nothing in his own will but always did the will of the... Y'all see that? He was not superior or inferior to the Father. He was the exact same as the Father. But he submitted to his leadership, to his command, to his direction. He ranked under. He allowed the Father to be head of Christ. Now what do we learn from that? Men have messed this up all throughout time because of false teaching and, 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 and a false understanding. They take these verses and they think that because of this, then they could just trample over women and, and bless God, I'm the boss. And you just do what I tell you to. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. You might be the boss, but you got one too. She follows you as you follow Christ. Now, She's not inferior, and that was, that, was, that was what a lot of the ancient Jews had. Some rabbis wouldn't even teach women. And when Paul says, let her learn, he is elevating the status of women in the eyes of the Jewish rabbis. And even the Greeks. I was reading, I was reading that, that many of the Greek women wasn't even allowed to come and eat with the men. She had their own room and did not even come out in society or out in the room when she stayed because that was the status that the Greeks had for women. They always say Paul was a male chauvinist, but he elevated the status of women. It's not about, it's not about ability. It's not about talent. It's not about skills. It's not about Bible knowledge. It's all about the role that's divinely ordered by God. Jesus was the same as God. 
Jesus was as powerful as God. Jesus was equal with God. Yet he lined up under the headship and the authority and submitted to the will of his father. He said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thy will be done. Are y'all with me? So ladies, ladies, if you have a problem submitting to your husband, then, then you're not being Christ-like. And you're not being, you're not, you're not inferior to your husband because of the role that you've been given. You, you could be superior in almost every way, but you're doing what God has commanded you to do. Now, let's look at it. Let's look at it. Three things. We're talking about a divine order, right? God has placed an order in creation, okay? A, we see order seen in creation, Look what it says in verse 13. First Adam, or excuse me, for Adam was first formed, then, then Eve. Okay? So we see an order. Adam first, then Eve. All right? Now, B. <clears throat> and we're going we're gonna to dig into that some more. We see order and its consequences. Write that word down. This is huge. This is huge. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. You see, the Bible never says Adam was deceived. Adam wasn't tricked. The Bible says Adam disobeyed. Eve got tricked. She didn't know what she was doing. Adam knew exactly what he was doing. Now let me read this information. Now watch this. Eve was not suited by nature to assume the position of an ultimate responsibility. When she stepped out from under the protection and leadership of Adam, she was highly vulnerable and and fell. And of course, when Adam violated his leadership role and Followed Eve. So what do we see happening? God has a divine order. Adam, you're first. Eve, you're second. Adam, you're the leader. Eve, you're the follower. What happens? Eve assumes the role of leader. And she, and she fell. What did Adam do? What did Adam do? What does it say? He followed. They switch roles. Adam is supposed to be leading. Eve is supposed to be following. The devil worked it in a way that now Eve is leading and Adam followed. And here we are. Think about that. A simple role reversal plunged the entire human race into condemnation. Because they got things out of order. Now, now, can everybody see this? This is the illustration that Paul used. Now, we can go back to Genesis if you want to. If you want to go read it and see what happens, there's, there's no question. We, we see what happens. She stepped out of bounds. He did too. Instead of leading, he's following. And her, instead of following, he, she's trying to lead. They're both out of the place they're supposed to be. And, and, and now we have the consequences. Now we have the fall. Now we have the curse Now we have the condemnation. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And we see this all in society. 
We see this all in society. Now, now, why is this such a big deal? Why is this such a problem? Why does Paul even have to deal with this? Why do we find over and over and over again, Paul is having to address this issue, not just in the church of Ephesus, but we see it in, in, in Corinth. We see it in Peter's teaching also over and over again. You hear and you see about subjection and about submission and about the responsibility of the wise. What is subjection and submission? It means restraint. It means restraint. These leaders are saying, Paul and Peter himself, and and Timothy through the direction of Paul saying, ladies, get a grip. Get a hold of yourself. Restrain. Now why? 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 Why why are the ladies in this culture, and, and even not just in this culture, but in our day, why are they having such a big problem with this? All we have to do is go back to the fall. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. Everybody open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Look in Genesis chapter number three. Hold your, hold your place back in First Timothy. We're coming back. Genesis chapter number three. Genesis chapter number three. Adam and Eve has fallen. God has confronted them. <clears throat> now he's, he's doling out the punishment. He's doling out the curses. If you're with me, say amen. All right. He, he, goes, he goes to the snake. Basically, he's addressing the devil. And, and, he, and, he, and he deals with him. Now he's dealing with the woman. Now he's dealing with the woman. All right. Look in verse number 16. Unto the... Okay, everybody help me. Unto the woman. He said, I will... Now, remember, this is the consequence. This is the curse, okay? I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. All right, now watch this. Let's break that in half. There's basically two parts. He's saying when you have babies, it's going to hurt. I'm going to greatly multiply thy sorrow. Now, how many of y'all had children in here? Raise your hand. Come on, don't be ashamed. Now, how many of y'all would agree that that verse is correct? So can we say, can we say, yeah, all ladies said epidural, amen. I I don't care, I don't care what nobody says. If I had a baby, I'd have me an epidural. If I had an ingrown toenail, I'd want one. Amen. I, I like me. Anyway, anyway. Mom distracted me. She said epidural. Okay, here we go. So can we say that that curse, that consequence is a universal deal? Right? So all you ladies in there had children, it was painful. So the Bible is correct, Right? So because of Adam's, or excuse me, Eve's disobedience, her stepping out of the order that God had divinely uh, orchestrated, uh, part, of that, part of that consequence is the curse, and that curse is pain during childbirth, and we have a unanimous agreement that that was painful. So the Bible's correct, and it affected all the ladies. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. I'm doing this on purpose. I'm setting you up. Okay? So, 
Let's look at the second part of that. All right. Pain in childbirth, great sorrow in childbirth. And he says, I'm going to give you another problem. And thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. Now, some have mistaken that as that means you're going to desire your husband physically. Well, that's not true. That's not what that means. I, I, I counsel people all the time. That's a serious issue with that. Uh, uh, that's not the deal. Number one, it's not a curse. It's not a sin. Every husband in the world wants their wife to desire them. Are, are y'all with me? There's nothing, there's nothing sinful about that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's part of marriage. That's part of what, how God designed things to repopulate the earth. He said, go and replenish the earth. That means have babies. Amen. And babies come from desire. So we know that's not it. Now we know this word is used again. We know this word is used again. And so in order to learn what he's talking about here, let's flip over to chapter four. All right. Turn over to chapter four. In verse number six, all right, Key, uh, uh, Cain, Cain has messed up. Cain has messed up. He's offered a, a sacrifice that he wasn't supposed to offer. He offered it from his hands and not a blood sacrifice. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And God got on to him. God dealt with it. God corrected him, right? Now watch this. Watch this. It says, in the, and, and Cain didn't like it. Cain didn't like it. He didn't like being told what to do. You know, sin's already poking his head up, right? All right. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his and thou shalt rule over him. What is he saying? Sin is at your door desiring to rule you. Sin wants to conquer you, Cain. Sin wants to rule you. Sin wants to overcome you. But you've got to get a hold of it. You've got to rule over this. You have to deal with this. So if we put that context back in this verse, what that means, ladies, is a, a, a part of the curse is going to be an inward desire in you guys to want to rule over your husband. You're going to have a desire to want to rule over him, to tell him what to do, to straighten him out. And men, you're going to have to get a hold of that. If you're going to lead... I'm just, I'm just giving you Bible. Now we can all agree. Even you ladies, wives can make life rough. I can give you Bible for that too. Solomon, the wisest man ever lived says better dwell on a house top than in a white house with a brawling woman. Somebody say amen. Don't make me get biblical on you. Ladies, you inside you. Now, now, now let's, let's go back. Was, was, was the Bible correct with the pain in childbirth? Was it a universal deal? Then this is a universal deal too. Every woman is going to have an inward desire to rule, to take charge, to give their opinion. 
Now, this is not just happening in the home with husbands and wives. We're seeing it in the culture. They're demanding it. They're demanding it. They're demanding it. And, and God is saying, you're out of order. And we see what we're having. If you go read in the book of Isaiah, you'll find out that God punished the nation of Israel for putting women in places they had no business being in. And part of that, part of the punishment was allowing immature young women to be in leadership positions. That was part of the punishment. What are we seeing in, in politics right now? Immature. Anyway, I'm not going there, but you get the point. And men are trying to lead. And women are trying to tell him how. And what happens is women desperately want a leader in a husband. And men are stepping back. And the more men step back from leading, the more women step forward. I've had I've had couples in my office and and she just nah, 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 nah. he ain't said a word nah, 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 nah. he won't step up he won't lead he won't nah, 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 nah. I said you won't shut up <laughs> now if you don't think I've done that talk to some people who's been in my office ain't, ain't no way he can but it's not your fault it's Eve's fault. It's a struggle. It's a fight. It's part of the curse. And Paul is saying, you got to get a hold of that. Ladies, you may be more gifted. You may be more talented. You may be more educated. You, know, you may know more of the Bible. But watch this. Watch this. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back to Timothy. Let's go back to Timothy. Look what he says. It's very clear. It's very clear. Let the woman learn in silence with all. The word all means complete. All subjection. That means to line up under. Now you're not going to want to. It's just a fact. It's natural because of the curse. You're going to have a desire to. But God is saying restrain. The man has a responsibility to lead in the church. The man has a responsibility to lead in the home. Now watch this. If we are in order, the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is man. That's order. The head of Christ is God. So if we are in order, if the man steps up and takes the lead and leads responsibly, and the woman is allowing him to lead and she's restraining that inward desire to tell him what to do and control him, if she's doing her part in submitting to his leadership, you are reflecting the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And not only is the husband and wife relationship, you know, we, we, we quote, uh, wives, submit to your husbands. 
But it says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And see, Christ loves the church and the church as the bride of Christ submits to Christ. And if, and if ladies, if you're not submitting and letting your husband lead, men, if you're not leading in the home, you're not reflecting the picture of the church and Christ. Listen, what do we take from that? What do we take from that? Let's look at three things. Three things. Wait a minute. I ain't through. Did I give you C? All right. We see A, order seen in creation. B, order and its consequences. C, order and the curse. That's what we just got through talking about in Genesis. In other words, why is this such a problem? Why does Paul have to deal with this over and over? Why is Peter speaking about it too? Because there's a curse we have to deal with. All right. He was not suited by nature to assume the position of ultimate responsibility. When she stepped out from under the protection and leadership of Adam, she was highly vulnerable and fell. And of course, when Adam violated his leadership role and followed, though it was not he who was deceived, the perversion of God's order was complete. The fall resulted then not simply from disobedience to God's command, but from violating God's appointed roles for the sexes. That is not to say that Adam was less culpable than Eve or that she was more defective. Although he was not deceived by Satan, as was Eve, Adam still chose to disobey God. Watch this now. This is huge right here. This is huge. As the head of their relationship, he bore ultimate... Oh, my soul. Watch this. Eve stepped out of order and said, I'm going to lead. Adam... He was supposed to be leading. He stepped out of order and he's following. But when God looked down on him, Adam bore the responsibility because God still saw him as the leader. Think about it. It doesn't say Eve. It doesn't say Eve brought condemnation. It says as by one Man, sin. Are y'all with me? You know why? Whether he was playing the role or not, he was still the leader. And God still held him accountable. Now what do we learn from that? Two things. Men, God's going to hold you accountable for leading whether you do or not. Spiritually, in the home, in the church, if, 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 listen, it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be the ladies that get up everybody and make sure they go to church. Let me say that again. Men, if your wife has to drag you and beg you and plead with you to go to church, shame on you. You should be the first one up making sure everybody is where they need to be because you're the leader in the home and God's going to hold you accountable. Because that's the role God has given you to lead in. Ladies, ladies, 
If you're not following and submitting to his leadership, he's going to hold you accountable too. Amen. All right. What can we learn from this? Number one. Say it with me. God created men and women with equal dignity. What does that mean? Just like Jesus was equal with God in essence. They were identical. They were the same. Y'all with me? Men, you are the same as your wife. Men, you're the same in spiritual and in the way God looks at you. Y'all are identical in God's eyes. Identical. You're not superior. She's not inferior. Are y'all with me? It's two. God created men and women with complementary roles. Say that with me. Are y'all with me? Listen, in other words, men, you got stuff she don't have. Ladies, you have stuff he don't have. No matter how much this culture in this world and the news media and the crazy fools outside these walls want to tell you you're identical, you ain't. You're not built the same. You don't think the same. We don't act the same. And we're not supposed to. God did not create us the same. He created us to complement each other. Amen. 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 Number three, not only did God create men and women with equal dignity, God created men and women with complementary, complementary roles. We don't, we're equal in dignity, but we have different responsibilities. Number three, different roles, but equal value. Say that with me. Say it again. Does everybody understand that? Say amen. amen. Now watch this. Now watch this. We've got to hurry. We see a delivering opportunity. We see a delivering opportunity. Look at the last verse. Verse 15. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved. Talking about the woman. The one who has the stigma. The woman who was deceived in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Now, on first glance, we say, okay, ladies, if you have a baby, you're going to heaven. But we know that's not true. Because you, you study a verse and you, you apply a verse, interpret a verse by the big picture, by all the other verses in the Bible. Are y'all with me? Say amen. In other words, in other words, we know salvation comes by faith, by grace through faith we are saved, right? So what is he talking about here? He's not talking about eternal salvation. He's not talking about making it to heaven. He's talking about the stigma on the woman. Yes, she was deceived. Yes, she plunged man ultimately into condemnation and sin. But watch what, it, watch what God says. But I got good news. I got good news. And it goes two ways. The pain in childbirth is the curse. But the privilege in child rearing is the blessing. 
In other words, in other words, you made a mistake, Eve, but you're going to have an opportunity to raise a godly youngin. You'll be able to erase the stigma by raising up a godly seed to bring glory and honor. Are y'all with me? How do we know that? The hand that rocks the cradle, say it with me, rules the world. Men, y'all, we just out of luck. We don't have that privilege. We don't have what women have when it comes to childbirth and child rearing and that connection that they have. It's different. I've seen it in my own wife and my own kids. I've seen it with my daughter and little Carter. It's just something different there. There's a different privilege. There's a different connection that goes with that. And that is a blessing from God. The pain may be a curse, but all the other is a privilege. Now watch. Paul teaches here that although a woman precipitated the fall and women bear that responsibility, yet they may be preserved from that stigma through childbearing. The rescue, the delivery, the freeing of a woman from the stigma of having led the race into sin happens when they bring up a righteous seed. What a perfect counter. Women are far from being second-class citizens because they have the primary responsibility for rearing godly children. Mothers spend far more time with their children than do their fathers, thus have the greater influence. Fathers cannot know the intimate relationship with their children that their mothers established from pregnancy, birth, infancy, early childhood. Paul's point is that while a woman may have led the race into sin, women have the privilege of leading the race out of sin to godliness. That does not mean that God wants all women to bear children. Some he doesn't even want married. That's 1 Corinthians 7. He talks about singleness. Paul speaks in general terms. The pain associated with childbirth was the punishment for the woman's sin, but the joy and the privilege of child rearing delivers women from the stigma of that sin. And all God's people say it. Now let me give you those three things. We see Acts 18. You remember what I said? You know, that... It is not a woman's role or place to teach in an elder position in the church in the regular worship. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And lead in that way. That's the responsibility. That's the role given to men. Does that mean she can never teach? No. We see in Acts 18, 26, Priscilla and Aquila teaching Apollos privately. If y'all remember, it says in, in Acts 18, and a certain Jew named Apollos born at Alexandria an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue whom when Aquila and Priscilla, this is a husband and wife, Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they, they took him unto them and expounded, that means teach, expounded unto him, the way of God more perfectly. But what was that? That was in a private setting. That was in a private setting. Does everybody see that? All right, then we have 2 Timothy 1.5. We have a grandmother and a mother. We have a grandmother and a mother teaching their, their, their child and grandchild who happened to be Timothy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in grandmother Lois and mother Eunice, and then persuaded that in thee also. Now watch this. His father was a Greek, most likely an unbeliever. That says, and from a 
child. This is chapter 3, verse 15. And from a child. Thou hast, now, if he got it from a child, who do you think taught him? Mama and grandmama. Are y'all with me? All right. Thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All right. So we have, we have a woman uh, teaching uh, with her husband, a, a, a gentleman in a private setting. We have women uh, uh, teaching children here. Then we see Titus. Then we see Titus chapter number two, verse three, the aged women, the aged women, the older ladies, likewise, that they be in behaviors becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Who are they to teach? Verse four, that they may teach the, are y'all with me? So the older women in the church should be teaching the younger women in the church. How to do what? To be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. That the, watch this now. Why? Why? That the word of God be not blasphemed. Wow. So we have a husband and wife teaching a gentleman in a private setting in their home. We have, we have ladies teaching children. Then we have ladies teaching ladies in Titus chapter number two. So what does that mean? When Paul says that women should not be teaching, is he saying across the board universally? No. There is a place and a time for everything. But all three of these we find are outside of the regular congregational worship. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Listen, we need to know our roles. Now, I want, to, I want to say this. I know we're out of time, but just look at me. Please, please stop a minute. Stop me and quit putting stuff up because you won't pay attention. Look at me. Look at me. We have always, we have always, from the time I've gotten here, the men has taken the leadership role. According to Scripture, the men has taken the leadership role. Now, I had someone tell me, hey, you do realize this. Now, I'm, I'm going to use this year, but it wasn't this year. It, it was recently, but it wasn't. This. You do realize it's 2020. In other words, because of what year it is, we should change how we follow the word. Let, let me say this. Let me say this. I don't care what year it is. The Bible is still the Bible. We, we, don't depend, we don't decide what we're going to follow according to how the culture is. The Bible is relevant at any year. Are y'all with me? And it's usually counterculture. But regardless, we've got a role to play. Guys... You need to step up. You need to step up in the home. You need to step up in the church. The failure in most churches and the failure in most homes, not the women. Most women have had to try to be more spiritual and try to make up the slack. That's not her fault. That's the men's fault. It's happened in churches all over America. Most of the time, 
when, when I was between churches and people would call me to fill in, I guarantee you it was four to one, women to men. Because men have shunned their responsibility to be leaders. Well, if we're going to be what we're supposed to be, guys, we've got to step up. And ladies, you're not inferior. You're not inferior at all. If you submit and you follow the order that is divinely orchestrated by God. Matter of fact, when you do, you're more like Jesus than you really know.